but thank you all for coming. I'm going to open by reading this statement. Um, so opening the meeting of Medford's Community Preservation Committee, Thursday, July 9th, 2020 at 6.30 p.m. Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12th, 2020 order suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law and the governor's March 15th, 2020 order imposing strict limitation on the number of people that may gather in one place. This meeting of the Medford Community Preservation Committee will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information and the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public. Oh, I'm sorry. I lost my place by members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford or media or Medford Community Media website an audio or video recording transcript or other comprehensive recording of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. Which um, reminds me that we wanted to make an announcement that this meeting will be recorded. So um, if you have a problem with that, you can keep yourself on, um, keep your video and sound off throughout the meeting. Um, so we're going to begin as advertised with um, an info session for prospective applicants for the coming funding round. So I'm going to share screen and begin a presentation. All right. Uh, sorry, there we go. The um, Zoom covers up part of the slide, so what I intended to be able to read from the slide, I can't see, but I'll fix that. So a little bit about, probably most of you are familiar with the Community Preservation Act, but in case some of you um, are less familiar, just a quick overview of what it is. Um, the Community Preservation Act is a state program that enables communities to set aside funds for open space and recreation, affordable housing, and historic preservation. Communities have to vote to opt in to the Community Preservation Act. Medford did so and adopted CPA in our 2015 general election. So we have been collecting funds since 2016 and um, since 2017 have been um, using these funds to fund programs in these areas. So the funds are generated through a 1.5% surcharge on a portion of property tax bills, which are the, the total amount that we raise in Medford is partially matched by the state's Community Preservation Act Trust Fund. Um, so we get money from the state every year in some proportion to the amount of money that we raise locally. Um, and how we use these funds is determined by the Community Preservation Committee, which is the body um, that's in front of you today. We are appointed to recommend how the funds are going to be used um, to be spent 
funding proposals have to be recommended by the committee first and then approved by city council. Both of those steps are required in that order. And so the way that we de determine what our funding priorities are going to be, we carried out a plan that was um, completed in 2017 um, that identifies community needs that was conducted through a public process and also in coordination with other city boards and commissions and soliciting public input. And we continue to um, gather public input. Every year we have a hearing which we conducted two months ago and um, a, a survey through which we invite people to provide feedback about what our needs and goals and priorities should be for the coming year. Um, so now we're at the point of making the funds be available. Um, the funding that is anticipated for the 2020 funding year, and these numbers are all somewhat approximate. Um, the numbers always um, change by the time we actually get to the date of being able to make the commitment. But an estimated $175,000 approximately will be um, minimally available within or put into a reserve for each program area. That is 10% of the total amount of funds um, that we raised in 2020 between both our local collections as well as the state match from last year. And all of that is funds that we already have. So where the um, the fiscal situation might be questionable in the upcoming year um, because of the COVID-19 and the economic crisis. That will affect next year's funding round. This year's funding round, the funds that we're looking at is what we already collected over the last fiscal year. Um, so uh, about 1.1 million is available for any of the three program areas after reserving the minimum for each program area. Um, so up to 65% of our funds each year could be spent in any one program area. But our committee has determined that um, we have a, a general goal, although it's not an absolute rule, but a general goal of trying to target approximately even allocation per program area. And so that would be roughly $500,000 per program area is our target. Um, and in addition to that $5,000 per program area, um, in the housing in the affordable housing category, we actually still have $250,000 remaining in the reserve from prior year's funding. So uh, as much as $750,000 of funds could potentially be available um, for affordable housing for this coming year. Um, and I also didn't mention that 5% of, a maximum of 5% of the funds can be used for administrative purposes um, each year. So our administrative budget is $87,000 for this year. And whatever we don't use for administration, this helps to pay for our staff as well as um, expenses that we may have throughout the year. And um, whatever is not used in this year, it will go into wow. reserve for program areas. Um, at the conclusion of this year. So 
who can apply for funds. Um, essentially, um, th the application is wide open to City of Medford departments or divisions, organizations that are legally registered in Massachusetts, as well as individuals. But an important thing to understand is that where for projects that entail city-owned property, um, specific state rules apply to how those projects are going to be carried out and to ensure compliance with state rules and to ensure coordination with the city, it is important for um, anyone proposing projects on city property to coordinate with the city as a co-applicant. That means that before submitting the eligibility determination form, we ask that applicants coordinate through the mayor's office. Um, and the mayor will help to guide where the program, where this application is going to be routed for a co-applicant. Um, but we do invite, we have in the past funded projects where private citizens initiated projects on city-owned property um, to make improvements to playgrounds, for example. Um, we do have a small grants process, which is, uh, I'll be getting into in a moment what the overall application process looks like. But for applicants who have very small projects, there's a way to use CPA funds to um, have a more streamlined application process. Um, whereas the application process ordinarily has a timeline that we ask um, applicants to follow the small grants we receive on a rolling basis and we will set aside $50,000 to be available for small grants each funding round. Um, small grants are um, defined as requests up to $5,000 um, for CPA requests up to $5,000 and you may have some matching funds from another source um, for a total cost of up to $10,000. Um, for the total project budget. So we'll, you'll understand the, um, the difference with the small grant application process as we get into the regular application process. So for the regular application process, the timeline, as I mentioned, um, we've, there are first, it's a multi-step process where first there are eligibility determination forms, which is a very short form that just asks a couple of overall questions about who is the applicant, what is the name of the project, what are what is a general description of the project, and roughly speaking, what is the ballpark budget for the project. Um, so this will help us to determine, first of all, is this an eligible project that follows the CPA criteria? If so, then you'll be invited to submit a full application. And it also helps us to gauge what's in the pipeline so that we know we can um, communicate with you um, throughout the process and um, help to ensure that your application will be um, complete and um, define a, a project that is ready to be funded. So the eligibility determination forms, we'll accept them anytime. We encourage you to start early and send it to us um, as soon as you think you know what you'd like to do. 
um, but they must be completed by the end of August. We have August 27 as a deadline. Um, so that you'll have a month before for us to review your application, your um, eligibility determination form, um, and for you to be able to prepare a full application. Um, full applications are due in late September, September 24th. Um, and um, we encourage you to um, be in contact with our CPA coordinator to ensure that all of the forms are completed as needed. Um, the, and I also should mention back to step two, uh, the submitting eligibility determination forms. If it is a project on city-owned property, whether this is a city department that's applying or a private individual on behalf of the city, we encourage you to coordinate with the mayor's office at least a month ahead of this deadline to give the mayor time to absorb the um, project that to process the, the application and ensure that she's able to direct you to the right place. So um, skipping ahead, um, the next step in the process is for the applicants to present projects at a community meeting. And typically, depending on the number of applications we have in a funding cycle, it may take one or two community meetings. We'll try to hold those over sometime during the month of November um, 2020. And um, at these meetings, it provides a chance for the CPC to ask questions of the applicants and also um, any public questions and co public comments can be brought up at that time regarding those projects. And there's time between um, September and November in order to ensure that if we see the need for any supplemental in information to help us make a decision about the project, that there's time for the applicant to be able to fill in any gaps that we identify in the application and to answer any questions and to be prepared to present uh, a complete application as of November. So after the applicant presentation, the committee will deliberate and vote on our recommendations, and that will occur in December. And after we've made our recommendations, then we submit our recommendations to City Council for approval in January of 2021. So um, the funds that are being applied for in the 2020 funding round will hopefully um, be finally approved um, as of January 2021. And then after the approval of those projects, um, projects that are approved, we will enter into grant agreements with the, um, with the grantees so that they can then be, be able to begin the process. So for those of you who have applied in the past, um, I appreciate your bearing with our difficult application. Um, we've tried to simplify it and make it easier for you this year by moving the application to an online form instead of a PDF form that we've used in the past. So you find this online form on our website, www.preservemedford.org. 
And there are a couple of places that will get you to the page where you land on the application. First of all, the very top menu on our website, apply for funding and timeline, will bring you to the page with the application. And then also on the sidebar menu, CPA 2020 application. And if you go to that page, you'll find that it's a very long page. We've included all the application instructions and timeline. Everything that is in the packet is actually on that page so that um, you don't need to, I'm sorry, you don't need to download any paper um, at, at any point, but unless you choose to, unless you prefer to um, use the paper application instead of reading it online. It's all there. But toward the bottom of the screen, you'll find the link to the eligibility determination form. And when you click on that link, you'll bring up the, the, the online form to fill out. And likewise, after you've filled out the eligibility determination form, then you can find below that a link for the CPA application. Um, I don't see exactly, but it will be there. There's also um, supplemental forms, including a city authorization cover sheet and authorization, authorization cover sheet for projects, for private applications for projects on city property. So these will be required in addition to the eligibility determination form for uh, at this stage for projects on city-owned property. The CPA, the, the budget document will not be required until the full application is due. So just a little bit before you um, fill in the CPA eligibility form, um, you can review, and this information is also available on the same webpage, our project eligibility criteria. These are the definitions of the program areas that are eligible for CPA funding according to our legislation. So um, projects that you would like to apply for need to fit the definition of open space, recreation, land, historic resources, or community housing. And they need to also fit the definitions of these verbs that go down the left-hand column. So if you have some confusion about whether your project is eligible, first of all, you could just submit the form and we'll look at it and get back to you and have a conversation with, about it with you if we feel we need to. Or you can um, contact Danielle Evans or myself and we can talk about it. The, CP, the, the website also provides our project evaluation criteria that our committee will be using as we um, review the applications after the um, full applications are submitted. So these criteria give you a picture of what we are looking for in your applications to determine whether this is a project that meets the CPA um, needs and priorities that we've identified for Medford. Likewise, um, our, our plan identifies program area goals and priorities, and we've created a handy one-page document that summarizes um, both actually the um, 
evaluation criteria and the goals and priorities. So like, again, this is available on the same uh, apply for funding webpage. So um, that's it, that concludes uh, um, my presentation on the CPA application process. Um, I'll leave the screen up for a moment if you need to copy information about, although I'm sure that you already have this information if you were able to find this Zoom meeting this evening, um, information about how to contact us so that you can um, pursue a CPA project. So with that, I'm going to stop the screen share and ask if there are questions, um, comments or concerns that any of you have. Um, you can use the hand raise function or actually raise your hand in the screen if you would like us to see you. Um, I've got a question. Yes. Uh, hi. Um, hi, your name? Hi, my name is Yuri. I'm the executive director of the nonprofit Bike to the Sea. And your address um, for the record, please. 18 Lawrence Street, Medford, Mass. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, we applied for a grant last year. Um, it, so it sounds like the process is a bit different this year uh, and improved in a lot of ways. Um, is, uh, first of all, is, is that true uh, that the process is different from last year? Because it, it looks seems different than what I did. Um, Definitely the, um, the online application is different. We did not have that last year. The two-stage process is more or less the same, but we've tried to streamline it a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. The differences are subtle in, in our, in our two-stage process. Okay. Um, um, if I may, if I may um, you said you applied for Medford CPA funds last year? That's right. I don't recall. Bike to the Sea? Does it... Um, sorry, one second. Um, I thought it was the, the CPA grant. Um, or could it um, have been CPA in another community? Uh, nope, it's definitely Medford. Um, sorry, I'm looking it up right now. Um, Medford Community Fund grant, is that, is that different? That's um, different. That might be different, okay. <laughs> All right, well, that answers that. Uh, General question. Um, I, I was basically looking for uh, you know, feedback in, in relation to that. Um, that grant uh, didn't get much feedback at all after submission. So, um, so it sounds like this is way, uh, way more organized and um, we'll probably, if, if I end up uh, applying for a grant either personally or through the organization, um, I look forward to, to that. So thank you. Thank you. Good. Did Alicia have a comment on that? It sounded like you were looking, like you were raising your hand, Alicia. I am familiar with the, what the application that Yuri did. So Yuri, you may want to talk to me if you're interested because what you were looking at last time would be eligible. I'm fairly confident. Danielle can advise you on that. Um, but the, that bike path crossing that we, right? All right, yeah. We can follow up on it. Are there other questions or comments? You can also type in the chat if you have difficulty getting our attention.
right. Well, um, please again get our attention if you um, if you still would like to um, raise any questions or comments. Um, we don't want to cut you off, but I'm going to move on to um, I'm going to conclude our pre-application workshop and move on to the next item on our agenda. It looks like Sarah might have her hand up. Oh, okay. Real hand, not virtual hand. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Uh, you have to unmute yourself. Let's see. I don't think I can unmute her. Yeah. You're, go ahead. I was, I was wondering if you could define open space. Um, open space. Uh, well, let me pull up the definition actually. <clears throat> rather than use my own words. Open space is land to protect existing and future. Some of these things are not relevant to Medford, so um, I'll try to summarize. Um, well fields, aquifers, and recharge areas, watershed land, agricultural land, grasslands, fields, forest land, fresh and saltwater marshes, and other wetlands, ocean, river, stream, lake and pond frontage, beaches, dunes and other coastal lands, lands to protect scenic vistas, land for wildlife or nature preserve, and land for recreational use. Okay, so that's a pretty broad brush. Yes. Um, the, the issue that we had last year was um, street trees. Yes. And, and um, whether that um, certainly it has wildlife value, it has watershed value, but um, it wasn't something that, uh, it, it sounded like last year when we went through the pre-application thing, it, um, we needed to make a better case for its watershed uh, value. And I just wondered if that's the case this year too. Yes, it's the same criteria. This, these criteria come from the state legislation and um, so it, we are, there, there have been some communities, particularly Cambridge provides some good examples of using CPA funds for watershed and water recharge areas, um, protection, restoration, preservation. And so they have um, identified, they have planning documents that identify um, some infrastructure improvement projects that will um, preserve and protect their water resources. So they've used CPA funds for, um, I'm not sure whether street trees are part of their um, green infrastructure, but certainly some other types of green infrastructure projects. So you may find some examples of communities that have done this in the past, but would need for that to be well-defined as to the relationship between, um, if, if there's not actual open space land that, um, that the open space is referring to, but it's, re it's referring to the protection of a resource that's within our definitions, then you have to make a very careful case for how this improvement relates to those resources. Okay, thank you. I can, can I just add that I, 
sorry, uh, I, I just want to also add that I thought that we had gotten um, guidance at anything like on public ways, like street tree, like a side, anything that's in a sidewalk wasn't eligible because it would be considered like a public infrastructure project or something like that. I'd have to, I thought that we had gotten guidance that street trees weren't eligible, but something like a back of the sidewalk program could be. I'd have, I'd have to look back and, and see, I, that's what yeah. I, what I, I would. Be, I would be very interested to, to know what, to, to what extent street trees would be applicable. Uh, I think that the town of Arlington has used CPC funds for pocket rain gardens that are, I think, within the town right of way, but at the at at the edges of pavement at intersections. That would be another example of green infrastructure projects. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Thank you. Other question? I, I have to have a question. Um, I was just curious as uh, from all the people that have uh, joined our meeting tonight, does everybody have a CPC application in mind for this uh, funding round? Show of hands. The people I can't see. I <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> curious. Thanks. That's good to know. We look forward to hearing from you more about it. Um, I would, so I'm going to move to the next item on our agenda, um, which is, actually I'm going to skip to item three on our agenda before um, we talk about increasing the CPA award for the Medford Bocce Courts. I'm going to skip to item three and talk about a potential CPA application for um, repointing chimneys at 309 High Street. Um, we had um, an application that was shared with us um, by email before the meeting. Um, So I'd like to open this up for committee discussion. Is the applicant present? Ah, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, you are okay. Yeah. I wouldn't call him an applicant. He hasn't applied. This is just right. a discussion item. It's he a discussion item. Yeah, I'm sorry to. Application. Thank you for that clarification, Danielle. Correct. So uh, as a discussion item, so this is an interesting project. The nature of this project is for. Um, preserving historic features of a, um, of a prominent historic house on High Street, and you're located in a historic district, is that correct? Uh, yeah, in the Marm Simons uh, district. Yeah. So we have not in the past had an application for CPA funds for, um, for preservation of a historic private residence from a private resident applicant. And this is something that is technically eligible for CPA funding, particularly since the house is located in a historic district and has some level of protection at the moment. 
Um, but it may also be, uh, there may be some political um, question about whether this meets the criteria for, or whether this would be, um, a, well, certainly it would be considered a lower priority given the priority scale that's in our plan, but, but whether this is something that we can bring to city council, for example. So I'd like to hear what other committee members response to this project would be before they um, proceed with preparing an application. Yes, Christy. So Mike, like I understand the historic nature of the house and it's, um, and it seems to fit within the technical uh, requirements for CPA funds, but when you purchase a home and you go in knowingly purchasing a historic home, what are the requirements of that homeowner knowingly going into this house, taking on the responsibility of deferred maintenance that and preservation? Isn't that a knowingly responsibility that they take on? Sorry, <laughs> I just, I'm curious as what the requirements are when you knowingly go into purchasing a historic home. Doug has something. I will know. <laughs> I, I think we also should draw upon uh, Fred Solo on there, who's on the Historic District Commission, who deals exclusively with these districts um, as part of the discussion. But let me just say a few points. Um, this this, this uh, house is on the state and national register, uh, which makes it a resource that's important to Medford. Uh, obviously, the, what the public benefit is would have to be very well defined. Um, I don't think there's a lot of information about that house. I can think of one thing off the top of my head, like a information sign that someone on the street would see about this house that would tell you the important uh, person who lived there and Medford's history and part of the mom Simons. I can imagine like some kind of gesture to that would that would perhaps justify this grant. I, I keep an open mind about that, the, and I and I'm not saying anyone's not. We just it's it's uh, obviously initial uh, evaluation or, or look at this thing. But the other part of this um, is that because it's on the national register in our standards, that this is more than just a maintenance thing. This is a restoration project, and it means like historic mortar colors. It means probably not paint on the chimney, which has been on there for, I don't know how many decades or centuries, but it was probably not original. So the cost may be substantially more when you start applying the kind of uh, restoration standards that you would get on the Brooks Estate or the Royal House or other really old properties. This is a 1765 house. Um, you know, it's incredibly old by Medford standards. So, um, so those are some initial thoughts. I, I'm sure others have. And again, I'd like to hear from Fred eventually. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking of the political issue around it. I understand the restoration and preservation and the importance of the house and the visibility of it. Um, I just think that if this is something to seriously consider, it does need to be well documented. Um, and I think that you bring up a good point of, you know, um, adding something um, to the house in terms of like signage that documents and makes it more visible to the community. And I think that the, 
committee needs to be prepared for, you know, public feedback if people look at this in a certain way that, you know, someone who bought a private residence that usually understands that they may have to take on that risk and ownership of that restoration when they buy that type of house. And then, you know, if that being a, a high priority, what we would vote for funding on that type of stuff. So that's, you know. Completely you know last year, the old Medford High had applied for, um, I think like, the lights, which we had said weren't eligible, but they also applied for repointing, didn't they? Whatever happened to that, did they just not apply? Um, they, they did not end up um, submitting a full application because um, that there was two eligibility determination forms. One, yeah, one was for the repointing and one was for the lights. And we, you know, told them the lights were not eligible because you can't create a historic resource. It was never there. And we said the repointing was eligible, but, you know, because of the, um, the way that the CPA plan um, prioritizes different types of applicants that there would be a lower priority and since it was a competitive funding round you know we were just you know honest with them like do you want to put the work in with the application and they didn't move forward and this technically not a small grant because it's more yeah. than thousand dollars yeah theirs was a, theirs was quite a it was no yeah, I'm talking about this one okay. yeah this is small yeah yeah I agree with Christy's comments um, I echo what, what she stated. But this is, this is over $10,000. Yeah. This is not a small grant. It's not a small grant, but I, uh, compared... If I may say something, I think I yeah. attached the wrong uh, proposal to the, to the letter. I was going to have the company uh, break out the work so that they would only do uh, a portion of it, and I believe it was eight or $10,000. Right, but I think the total of the project has to be 10000 or less. Am I right, Danielle, for it to be a small grant application? Yes, that's what, that's, I mean, I mean, you guys would be the ones, uh, you know, making the policy, policy decision about how, what makes a project small. Um, there's, you know, some, you know, projects where, you know, it could be broken up into smaller projects, but is that a loophole by breaking it up? Um, I know we've awarded small grants to uh, recipients that have had large grants or have had normal grants, but would we have withheld the small grant because they've received funds before for their building? Um, I mean, that's a, a policy decision of how you would determine what's a small project. So I wanted to bring up um, an option that could make a project like this more, um, more salient, politically speaking. Um, and that is the other discussion item that was included on our agenda um, together with this. Um, I just need to open my agenda again. Um, historic Homes Preservation oh, Program. A Historic Homes Preservation Program. So if this is the kind of thing that, that we would 
um, like to see in the future to be able to use CPA funds for the preservation of private residences, which are a lot of our historic resources in the community. It might be more salient to do so if it was part of a program so that instead of the homeowner coming to the CPC and then going to city council with that application, if an entity such as the Historic Commission or the Historic District Commission or even a private organization in the community were to apply for a chunk of funding that homeowners could apply to them for instead of coming to us. And the application criteria could be defined in advance of what they would, um, what they would give those funds for. Um, so I would be really interested to hear whether, you know, it might be possible to start a conversation with either of those two commissions about um, what it would take to, I mean, first of all, whether a program like that is, you know, something that would make sense for Medford and what it would take to create a program like that. Is it something that all volunteer committees would be able to manage or would a, a partner be required to provide staffing to oversee that? So um, I'd, I'd love to hear from Doug or you, Fred, um, about whether this is something that might be um, a conversation that we might have. Thank you. I'd happily respond. I'm familiar with the house at 309 High Street. It's a beautiful home. Um, and we would fully support certainly remortaring the chimneys and things. But I, as Doug alluded to, uh, Ben, I think it's going to be a much bigger job than a repointing job. The, the bricks are old and they're actually failing and they've, they've painted them. They've waterproofed them over the years. And it's all sort of a patchwork of, of layers and things. So if it would be repointed, I think it, you'd be looking at brick replacement in some areas. And it's not only one chimney, there's four very prominent chimneys. The two ends of the building are also all brick of the same brick with the same problems. Uh, and it, you'd start with uh, maybe one or two chimneys, but you'd have to go around methodically around all the things. And we in the Historic District Commission would really encourage you to find a mason with historic uh, preservation experience to do that rather than just a, a, a typical mason who might be doing other work and that of course drives the cost up and i you know i i would love to have cpa funds of historic preservation available for it but you're you're going to run into issues with that with city council and as soon as we allow it for this one then your neighbor next door who's also in the district and the other people in the next district will say you know great he got CPA funds to fix his chimneys. I have a porch that's fallen down and I would love CPA funds to restore my porch. And um, that's why this historic homes preservation program, I believe they have one in Somerville to my knowledge that they use um, CPA and other funds to allow private homeowners to restore things like old three deckers and things with back to the historic character. So I think if you're going to explore some idea like this, you really would have to consider it as a citywide thing or maybe only within the certain, we only have two districts in, in Medford that are pretty small and pretty arbitrary. 
we're trying to expand that, increase the amount of historic districts, but it's a long, slow process. So um, it, I'd be in support of setting up something like a historic homes preservation program available to homeowners. It would have to be staffed by somebody in City Hall. We as a district commission would be overwhelmed by administrating something like that. So we would need um, support from the City Hall for a staff member to make sure the funds are allotted and the paperwork is followed and all that stuff. But if, if you're going to have a conversation about it, I think it would have to be um, a, a big, broad conversation that this particular property opens up the door for that. And um, I, I think it be careful. And um, if you did it right, I bet you could um, meet all the hurdles of both the CPA, historic preservation, and not, um, not running afoul of the city council or the mayor or whomever. So that's my two cents worth. When do when do either when are the next meetings of either the historic district commission or the historical commission? The historic district we're having a Zoom meeting on Monday, uh, this this coming Monday. That's the next. I believe that this district commission is probably uh, the historic commission is probably the same time. I don't know, Doug. Yes, it's also Monday. That's correct. Uh, unfortunately, I have a conflict on Monday. I would be really interested to talk with both of your commissions about what it would take to create a program like this. And now would be a good time to have that conversation because it could be possible to get that in the pipeline for this coming year's funding round if it was something that um, we were able to define and, you know, conceive of what pieces need to be put into place in order for that. But I won't be able to be part of that discussion on Monday. I could talk with either of you offline before then. Yeah, I mean, I could certainly, especially if I had some explanatory documents about what it might be. I think we need to plant the seed on the commission and the historic district commission as well. I guess one of my bigger questions is, um, you know, the program sounds intriguing to me. Uh, historic homes preservation program, but how does it, uh, how are the standards different? How does it take the politics out of it, I guess, or does it um, for the council approval? I guess what's the, what's the advantage of having that dedicated versus just having it be part of, of the CPC process is my big question. Uh, Doug, I can um, jump in there. Well, we have, Molly did some excellent research on other programs um, use CPA funds like City of Cambridge. Um, they have a program. And then also, I think Somerville, I'm not sure if they've made any awards yet, but I know that they did allocate some funds. But basically what happens is the CPA would award a chunk of funds for the program. But then the individual, like who qualifies for them and who gets them would be you know, up to the local historic district or whoever is administering it. So city council would approve the program, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't vote on every award. It's similar to how our rental assistance program is working. So ABCD and housing families have, you know, got allotted funds to run their programs, but each individual recipient of those funds is not going before them. Sure. So it, you know, takes that out of the equation, whether there's a, a conflict of, you know, this is somebody's neighbor, or at least from, you know, the city council. I mean, there might need to be some kind of 
like we've thought about, you know, maybe there's income limits. Maybe it's up to 80% or 100% AMI for a straight grant. Maybe it's a forgivable loan. If you're over income, if you maintain the property, if you hold on to it for so many years, um, there's different ways that it could be, you know, set up. And um, like I said, Molly um, put together a document. We can um, send that out for members to kind of take a look at and digest yeah. out there. I'd love to see that document. I'm, I, I think both Fred and I are open to this. I, you know, where if it, if it makes the process simpler, if it gives products that are worthy a, a, a different path, I, I mean, it's worth exploring. I, I'm okay with that. Um, definitely want to see more information about it from other precedent cities and towns around us for sure. I will say one final thing. I think this project, um, whether it gets funded by CPC or not, um, that project is probably more than 12, ten dollars or $12,000, the way I think Fred and I see this project and how it needs to be done to, to comply with the standards for the property of the state and national register. It, it just can't be um, a general uh, mason and, and the, the standards have got to be pretty high. I think it's probably more closer to twice what the cost is assumed right now. I had to ballpark it. Yeah. And I'd just like to add that I think that it's important to have a program to incentivize people to invest in the historic homes and buy them and maintain them and restore them. I just think the optics of this is something that we need to manage. And through a historic homes, you know, preservation program, I think you'll be able to manage the optics of it rather than people saying like, well, you know, it's just any you know, homeowner looking to subsidize, you know, a, a, an issue on their home. And that's what we don't want. Agreed. To come it up. Could, it could also be a matching grant, not an entire pay grant, per your previous comment. Yeah, and I, I would say it'd have to be a matching grant. And it has to follow uh, Secretary of the Interior's guidelines, and it has to be historic, uh, historically appropriate. And we get a, people, everyone who comes in front of our committee is, eventually complains, you know, hardship for economic, um, for whatever it is, final replacement windows to, you know, um, stone walls out in the front. So it, for the community's point of view, if you, we have a lot of lovely old infrastructure all covered in vinyl and sheet metal and every other damn thing out there. And I think it's in the community's interest to, you know, do some of these repairs properly instead of just doing the shortcut home, uh, home improvement guy. Um, which is which seems to be the default, and so if a matching grant or or making sure it's following a specific set of guidelines would go a long way to kind of improving the, the infrastructure and the appearance of our of our community. Sorry, uh, um, just to quickly your address for the record, we got your name. Fred. Hi, Frederick Souls, yeah. 25 Suffolk Street. Thank you. Um, and we had a, a question from a, from a member of the public, Elliot. You need to unmute yourself and your name and address for the record. You're st we can't hear you still. It says that you're unmuted, but you have no audio. If you'd like, um, you could try to put it in the chat or we can come back to you in a couple of minutes. 
While we're waiting, could I ask? Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, I just have to put my speaker on and then I'll be all set. I'm sorry to waste your time. That's okay. Hi. Yes. Um, so your name and address for the record? Sorry, my name is Elliot Jokelson, and um, I live at 60 Marshall Street. Uh, yep. And um, I, uh, I've, just, I've just been reading about this um, recently, so I'm not up to speed. But um, I just wanted to introduce myself because um, I just won a microenterprise grant from the city of Medford uh, to move my woodworking and furniture making shop into the town where I live. Um, I'm a graduate of the North Bennett Street School and I'm a trained professional in restoration and furniture making and of the 18th and 19th century. Um, so I just, I wanted to introduce myself and I'm very interested in, in finding ways to become involved. I heard another fellow talking about doing restoration on his house. That's something I had an idea about. It sounds like it's not maybe the direction you guys want to go, but um, that's something I'm capable of doing myself. Um, but I can also do it other places as well. Um, so that's it. I, I just wanted to introduce myself. I really need to educate myself more about the types of projects that you want to fund and, and what exactly this is about. Thank you. Thank you. Did you have a question, Monique? You're muted. Hi, everyone. My name is Monique Doherty. I live at 113 Brook Street. Um, I, have, I serve on the board of West Medford Community Center, and I have a question about eligibility for a program. When we're dealing with, we're in the process of trying to get a variant on actually DCR land. Our, the back of our community center abuts, uh, we, uh, I think it's Mystic Avenue, Mystic, Mystic, sorry. <laughs> um, the land in between us and the road is DCR land. And we'd like to, we have a wonderful um, accessible ramp and everything in the back, but there's this, area that's not accessible by for people who uh, would need an, an accessible path. So we're interested in creating a pathway that's accessible for the public to be able to use the building from the back and to be able to park in the rear. Um, I'm wondering when it comes to eligibility, when you talked about having a um, co-application with city with regard to city land, is that an option when you're, we're talking about DCR land? With DCR land, you would need to have the permission of DCR. When the, we're in the process of trying to get a variance, we thought we that was a done deal, but we found out recently that that's not the case. But in, in case we do find that we are eligible for that, that variance, I was wondering, is it an opportunity, is it an opportunity with CPC2? Um, to apply? Is that something that would be eligible? Um, that's actually a really good question in and of itself. Um, if you're, if, so the, the, you would have to define it in a way that you are creating ex access to an outdoor recreation facility. So if the yard of your property 
is the is is considered to be outdoor recreation um then that would that could be a qualifying um improvement like Duggar Park would that be considered well yes creating access to Duggar Park or are you creating access to your property so it would be our access to from the rear of our property to Mystic Road, Mystic Avenue, sorry, um, which is right across from Duggar Park, which is parallel Duggar Park. So yeah. I don't know if that's a, if what, I don't know if that's what you mean when you say access to a recreational area. We do have um, an area that we use for events in the back of in in the back of our property. Usually that encompasses the DCR land, which they don't usually have a problem with us using it. But if we want to create a permanent structure like a path, a walkway, or also we're interested in putting in a bike rack, um, that, okay. Can you I'm sharing me? my screen because um, I, I've got a map up here. So here's your West Medford Mystic, Community Mystic Center. Road, yes. Thurber Road yeah. and Duggar Park. Yes. So, so yeah, it sounds as though it would require some careful language in the application that explains how your access is, I mean, how this path is creating access to an outdoor recreation opportunity, say, on your property. Because to get from your property to the park is not, I don't, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to hear what other committee members think about mm -hmm. that. Um, that, um, yeah, it, it seems like that it's questionable because, well, because you're an organization that has that that offers recreation opportunities. Right. Maybe getting from your property to the park is increasing access to to outdoor recreation but maybe we need to make an argument that getting from the street to your property is the outdoor recreation opportunities. Other, do other committee members have a picture of this in their minds? Have any thoughts about this? Joan, would you be able to make that into the satellite video so that we can see perhaps what their yard looks like in relation to maybe zoom in a little? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the area behind the, the, the line of pavement is the DCR land that you're talking about? Uh, when you say line of pain, pavement, Here? yes. I'm, no, I yes. mean behind your house or yes. behind your building, I mean. Yes. So about 20 feet out, I think. Um, and, I, and don't hold me to that number. Uh, is out. If you cut that strip of grass in half, that I think is what the community center's property is. And the remaining area would be DCR land. The, the land... Well, well, actually, maybe a little more than half is our, our property. And then maybe see that where that stone is? The Here? The stone in the middle of the picture. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the yard, yes. I think that's where it becomes DCR land. So this is and, all DCR here? Yes. And so access from the road, access to the community center, and this 
um, wonderful structure we have for accessibility in the back um, would be, I think, a great benefit to the community. When we have inclement weather, when we were using, uh, or there's ice and snow on the ground, we have a senior um, a population that uses the community center as well as accesses the Duggar Park or events that we have when we, I don't know if anyone are familiar with the different events that we have where we uh, use, actually Mystic, we close off Mystic River Road for events. Um, and we use this backyard area quite a lot. Um, having accessibility for, for those seniors with if they are, you know, have a cane or walkers or anything like that. I think that is a huge concern of ours. So I'm not, you know, when you say recreation to the building, you said, did, could you just say a little bit more about that? Well, I, I, what I wanted to um, ask for you to emphasize is how you're utilizing your outdoor space and how this um, project would enable you to better utilize your outdoor space. And you've just provided an argument for that in, in the description that you just made about how you um, would like to help your seniors to be able to access the yard. So that's what I think I'd be looking for. But again, I don't know if other committee members have um, comments or suggestions about what they would look for in an application like that. So the request is really to get access to the yard, not to cross Mystic Gav to get to Duggar Park. Correct. Okay. And half of the space belongs to DCR? Yes. A little, maybe a, maybe a little less than half, but yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that considered, I mean, if this is DCR park land, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, so we, yeah. you know, if we get the variance, then hopefully that won't be a factor. Um, yeah, I think the only thing I can tell you is the city council has said before, they don't mind partnering with DCR to make improvements, but they don't. They want DCR to be up there first, saying we're putting our money up, we're putting our, you know, um, our efforts up for this um, improvement. You know, Medford, would you please join us rather than Medford leading the way? I see. Well, you want to I'm make not, sure you go ahead. I, I I'm not sure that that was the distinction that they made because they did fund um, the city put our funds into the Condon Shell, for example, which is also DCR property. I think that the city council's concern with the pathway along the Mystic Lakes was that they didn't want to fund a plan without seeing a guarantee that DCR would right. partner in implementing the right. plan. That's what so I mean. they that's what the level because that would be a, a significant project construction project to take on and they wanted some assurance that DCR would fund that. Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, a small project that is really being carried out by the stewards of land that DCR owns but doesn't actively utilize. Mm -hmm. I think that would be held to a different standard than the Mystic Lakes project. But they would want DCR to be on board with them doing it. Yes, and that's, yes. That, that's, I think, if they provide the variance, mm -hmm. um, then the documentation of DCR's permission to do this project would meet that nice. requirement. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. Has anyone had any, uh, this may be off topic, but has anyone had any experience with dealing with DCR and, and achieving <laughs> <laughs> variances or? Alicia, are you I still there? <laughs> I was, actually, I was going to see if I had my email address. Um, I would actually recommend if you've been communicating with them in emails, do you have my work email address? I think I do. A Hunt, it's A Hunt at the Medford. Send it to me and copy me because I have a lot of in interactions with a lot of staff there and I may be able to help shake it loose for you. But okay. it would be helpful to see what the, what the back and forth has been because um, okay. it seems like a very, very reasonable request and I wonder if you've just perhaps not it's the right people. Hmm. Well, we initially were told that we had the variance, though we weren't given docu documentation to that effect. That, and then um, I think Sean, I think, uh, you know, this is, I don't know. I don't know if this is absolute fact, but we were told secondhand um, that Sean Garbley had said that no, we don't have the variants. And he was, I think, he was advocating for us at one point. So, um, but you know, yeah, loop me into the conversation because okay. Sean should have some leverage with um, DCR. But I've I've got a, a number of good working relationships there, and it feels so rational and reasonable. It does, um, right? <laughs> yeah that I think yes. can help you. I have a couple of uh, requests to comment from other members. First of all, um, Danielle, I'm sorry, I don't recall. Did we get Monique's um, name and address for the record? We did, okay. Um, so the next person who asked to comment was Yuri. Uri? Uh, thanks, yeah. Um, and, I don't know. I'm sorry, I know that yeah. you spoke early. Oh, we did yeah. get your name and address for the record earlier. Yeah, I'll say it again, Yuri Loiko, 18 uh, Lawrence Street. All right, Medford. thank you. Um, but yeah, I, so I've only been to the Medford Community Center once. Um, it was the middle of the winter. Um, I was able to take the Mystic River paths to get there on my bike, um, which were mostly um, cleared, so there wasn't too much ice. And then I got there um, and in the back, exactly where we were looking, and I was like, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. uh, so even though I'm, you know, I'm not, um, I wasn't using a wheelchair or, you know, I'm, I'm a fit young person. I was uh, on a bike. I had no idea what to do next. Uh, I eventually found like a, a sign to lock my bike to and I walked through like the snow to, to eventually get to the community center. Um, so, I mean, if, if something like that existed um, at that time, um, it would have, I mean, made my life a lot easier. Um, and I could, I definitely see the pain point and I definitely see the value, you know, for everyone in Medford, uh, who, you know, goes to the community center. So in my mind, like, you know, it's an extension of the park to a community um, asset. So uh, I'd, I'd be, you know, very confused if, if this wasn't, it really does seem like it fits into all the categories that um, I see in front of me. But um, yeah, just wanted to comment there and, and say, yeah, I hope, I hope, um, this this pulls through and, and thanks for thanks for uh, the improvement thoughts Monique and thanks for um, Thank the community center it was it was a really great experience other than that one pain point so yeah. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you another comment from Patrick Bibbins 
Hey, sure. Um, Patrick Bibbins, uh, 77 Stanley Ave. Um, I'm the uh, vice chair of the Medford Bicycle Advisory Commission. Um, so I can, um, I can share uh, Yuri's experiences because the, those things have happened to me um, on my visits there many times. Um, I think the, I, I was specifically interested in the bike rack aspect um, in this particular case, but also that it, um, that would be something that I would like to have a better understanding of how that might fulfill the outdoor recreation requirement because it's a topic that comes up a lot in many locations and um, is uh, really you know very very needed uh, amenity in the city. So any um, any you know further details or um, education on that issue would be very helpful. Any committee members um, want to share um, thoughts about bicycle infrastructure being uh, eligible? Like what are the conditions under which it's eligible or um, criteria that we would be looking for for bicycle infrastructure? Or is it just generally um, an eligible activity by definition? I think that we, um, I think you would most likely be able to make an argument for why it fits the categories that were given. And if you make a strong argument, um, I, I, we can entertain its being an eligible project. That's, that's my feeling about it, um, but. I, I would agree with that. I think there's, it's clearly, you know, we're talking about community benefit, the West Memphis Community Center is, that's its entire mission. And any way we can connect people better to that, I think uh, is a pretty defendable project, um, both from open space and just public benefit side. So I would, I would concur with that opinion, Roberta. Uh, as would I. Great. Any other comments about the um, the discussion items that we've talked about so far? We have waiting um, to um, present to us or to, to discuss um, Gabe from the Housing Authority to talk about the City of Medford bocce courts increasing a request to increase the CPA award. So Gabe, I would invite you to um, share your case. But you just muted yourself. You were unmuted. <laughs> there we go, is that better? Yes. Thank you everyone, thank you for your time. So the Medford Housing Authority, on behalf of the City of Medford's bocce court installation project that is taking place at 121 Riverside Ave in the rear of the development where the proposed clipper ship path is going to be adjacent to. So it's a city of Medford project because it's on Medford Housing Authority property. I'm the director of modernization overseeing the construction of the bocce courts. Upon demolition of the 
site, we encountered a lot of very silty, unsuitable materials, which we needed to haul out. We, we took as little as we could. We went as we, it, we originally thought it was going to be around $6,000 because we thought would have to go three feet deeper than anticipated. We only had to go closer to two feet. So it came in at around $3,000. Um, but we need to haul out materials in order to make the bocce court something that would stay there for a long time. It's coming out really nice. It should be done in about two weeks. But the, the existing materials that were below, once we started excavating, were just in really tough shape, most likely because it is pretty close to the, the Mystic River Canal there, right in the back of 121 Riverside Ave. Questions, comments from the committee? Can you tell us exactly where these bocce courts ended up? <laughs> yeah, so... I'm going to share my screen again. So yeah, I've got another I, map up. 121 Riverside Ave, that's a salt and salt building. All right, so if... So here's the gazebo. Yeah, right? so to the left of the gazebo, there's a here. piece of land. It, keep going left, keep going left. Oh, here? Right, right in there, exactly. It's right there. Okay. And it's a regulation size bocce courts that coming out. They're, they're doing a really nice job. They should be done in a couple weeks. And the request is for an additional, did I see three? 3,000 to haul out unsuitable materials and add a lot of crushed stone gravel. Mm -hmm. I don't have any questions. Seems reasonable. If I could um, jump in, um, Gabe, did you want to talk about how the bids came in much higher than expected yes. and housing so, authority actually covered a bunch of those costs? Yeah, so the and original community preservation's budget for this project was around 40000 I Don't quote me. It was around $40,000. We went out to public bid. We got a decent amount of bids. I want to say we got three to four bids, but, but the low bid came in around 55000 or so. So... The Medford Housing Authority, this is an important project to us also, and we thought that if the clipper ship path does come to fruition, that it would be a great kind of asset to have there. And we're going to include public parking within our own parking spaces there um, for, pub, you know, for the public to come and use the bocce courts. Um, so it was an important project to us too. So the Medford Housing Authority funded the difference between the CPA funding and what the low bid came in at, and that was roughly around $15,000. I mean, I, Thank I you. think this is, this is small dollars. I think we've obviously funded the project. If it, this is what it takes to complete it, I don't think it's a big, a big number to really uh, sweat too much. We, we want to see this product completed. Yeah, and there, there will be, there's no other purchase orders. We are as close to completion as possible. We're just waiting on the timbers that are going within the, so the, the, the courts themselves are actually precast concrete and there are going to be timbers that will serve as bumpers for the bocce balls within the perimeter of the courts. That's, the project's been held up. There's a lot of materials and supply issues going on in construction right now. 
so that that's been the biggest holdup. But those are arriving tomorrow. Those should be installed early next week. And then the gravel's getting put down, benches, um, and just kind of tidying up. And I think two weeks from now will be tops that they'll be complete. So there will be no other change orders. This is it. So as an objection, should can I make a motion to approve the additional three thousand eighty-three and fifty cents for the housing authority budget courts? I'll second that. All in favor? And we have to say state your name. Um, I'll I'll read through each of you. Joan. Yes. Uh, Heidi. Yes. Casey. Yes. I'm sorry, I'm looking for you because everybody's moved around. Doug? <laughs> yes. Christy? Yes. And uh, yes, for myself. So everyone who is here is in favor. So we vote to approve the funding and we'll send a motion to city council. I imagine that it will probably appear on city council's agenda in about two weeks most likely. Um, so we'll keep you updated when we know that they'll be looking at this. Great. Great. Thank you so much for your time, everybody. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. And sorry to keep you waiting. Okay. Oh, Gabe, Gabe, could you stick around? Um, we're going to do project updates. Okay. Oh yeah. Update us on the, um, the gas conversion. Yeah. I'd love to. Do you yeah. want to do that now, Roberta or? Sure. Uh, I just want to um, just review. I think we've, yes, we've, we can save the minutes until the end. So um, the let's go through the project updates. So we can start with the um, La Prize Village. Okay. So the La Prize Village project, this has been, it's, so we are, we're into it now, which is great. We have contractors are on site. We have completely piped as well as of tomorrow afternoon we have completely piped five of the 28 buildings so all of the national grid piping is in um everything stubbed up to the buildings our plumbing contractors are on site now completed four buildings so far with just the with the coring of all the foundation walls with the installing of hangers installing of gas piping to the boilers and to expedite the project, we felt once we kind of got our teeth into it, we felt it would be best to just keep on that track. So we're going to have the contractor just keep going building to building, coring, installing hangers, installing piping. And then at the end, we are going to go back to do the actual conversion where we, we will remove the oil guns from the boilers, install the natural gas guns, have National Grid come out to install their meters and then turn the new natural gas on for the tenants. Um, we, we anticipate the bulk of the work in the, like it's the five buildings is the bulk of the work is the coring hangers and piping. We anticipate only one to two days time to do the actual transition from taking out the old oil gun, putting in the new gas gun, turn, you know, getting the meter turned on um, so we anticipate maybe one to two more days tops in each building where we've already done the piping portion in. Um, so we're, we're going back and forth with, 
do we do maybe three or four buildings and just complete them? But after meeting with the engineers and sitting with the contractors, it's like the contractors are kind of in a groove with this piping thing. They're getting a building done. It's taking them about two days to pipe a whole building. So they're, they're moving really well. So we think for the whole of the project to expedite the whole thing for the whole development that we'll just keep them on that track. And then at the end, go back and do the actual conversion towards hopefully mid August or so, but it'll be well before the heating season. That's great to finally see that getting done. Oh my God. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a national grid lockout. It was just, it, it's been, it's really nice to have, yeah, to have contractors on site getting things done. It's great. And they're moving really well. We're very impressed with the quality of work, um, how fast they're moving. It's so far, the tenants have been very cooperative. It's so far, it's, it, it's a lot of coordination, but it, it's so far, it's been, you know, fairly decent project. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I'm looking to see if there are, um, Alicia, I'm sure that you can provide us with project updates. Sure. Um, CPA, I have two projects, right? The Older River, River Bend, which is the uh, cleanup so that the path can come through it, um, which is 100% done, and all the seating and everything was done. And I will tell you, because you asked for an update, I'm looking at a list of purchase orders at this very moment saying, why is there a tiny bit of money left for that contractor there? Did I pay them the final amount for seating and and cleaning it up because they did it right before the pandemic hit. Um, tomorrow's our deadline for rolling over POs for the new year. So I was actually doing that as a project. I rolled um, so the, okay, the work is done. Um, and it, it is actually a useful question for me to go follow up and see if they just didn't charge us the last $757 in the contract or if that was actually that little bit of seating. Um, those fences, that fence is all down and everything. Um, the space is open. And as somebody alluded to, I'm sorry, was it Yuri who asked? No, it was Gabe who asked if the, was really gonna, the path was going to come through. The path is really happening, the Clippership Connector. I know there's no CPA funds in that, but there's a lot of interest from the CPA for that. Um, there has been some delay with some of the paperwork. So behind actually the Medford Housing Authority and their building next door, 99 Riverside, there are easements, grants of the easement locations that the DCR needs from those two property owners, as well as formal paperwork between the Mass DOT and Mass DCR under the highway. And those chunks of paperwork are taking longer than anticipated to get done and that nobody actually sees any problems with it. It's just sort of gears moving extremely slowly. So where they thought they'd be have that done by now and be out to bid in construction this season, it's probably, honestly, I spoke with the DCR in April and my, their impression at that time was it was six months of paperwork, which meant that they would put it out to bid this fall, this winter and fall for construction next summer. Um, and that is literally the only thing was this 
they don't want to um, start work on one part of it and not be able to do all of it all at one time. Um, but they are fully committed to doing it. Um, and they're actually committed to funding it with BCR funds, the full construction. They're really not asking the city for anything. There is one end of it, <clears throat> which is the part that is on the property that we cleaned up with CPA funds. And there's just sort of an open question about how can we make that work and whether the city gives them an easement for the, 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 the path itself and then they literally pay for it and build it or whether there's some exchange of funds so that they build on city property. We're working that detail out. But since they can't actually construct till next spring anyhow, it has not been a high priority to work out the details on that piece of it. Um, so it's, it's gonna happen. It, it is happening a year later than we thought it would happen. Um, the other grant is for the cleanup and then the putting in what we really have settled on is a labyrinth um, in the corner closest to the Andrews School. And honestly, things were moving along and this is a project that got completely slowed down by pandemic um, between the staff being too busy and paperwork and everything. Um, so a useful thing for the CPA to know is that my office has merged with the Office of Community Development. As a result, I'm working with a lot more staff. I have a lot more responsibility, but it also means I'm, I'm, I have um, staff in my office, Annie Streetman, who's a land use planner, who is actually really interested in placemaking and that sort of thing, the kind of like artistic recreational thing that we're talking about putting there. And so I'm asking, I've asked her to take over the management of that project and moving that forward. And she has a different project, the Harris Park, which is also CPA funded. Yes. So that, that I have really just come up to speed on in the last three weeks. Um, but because we were having a final walkthrough with the contractor, so the final sentence there was, Annie's other big project, Harris Park, is finished, finishing this week. And I'm asking her to pick up the Riverbend Park CPA project. Um, how about the phase two of Harris Park? So the phase one is essentially finished. We're doing a walkthrough with the health department tomorrow because it's a sprinkler park. It's a spray park. The um, contractor fences were pulled out. And we are calling this a soft opening because the mayor would really like to do a ribbon cutting. But we also just want to provide the open space to people and give them access to the park without waiting for a formal ribbon cutting, uh, given everything that's going on. So there was no announcement. We just took the fences away. Um, we're still actually getting some more of the signage that needs to go up. I know the CPA sign, I believe, has been ordered. Um, we have to order a sign to put on the spray park as well. Um, so phase two is something that I need to sit down with Danielle, I think is the best person to explain what was applied for because it was applied by community development before I had any involvement with the office and with Annie to understand what happened with everything, what's funded, what's not funded, what do we want to see move forward. Um, I'm, and I'm going to tell you that I don't know where it stands right now um, because we 
there was too much turnover. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, Clotis Stoker Long was not managing these pro projects. She left a year ago. Um, and then last January, this past January, the director left and I took over with no, there was no handoff between the two of us. Um, so I've just been rooting through files and talking to staff. Um, so it's not an excuse just to say that I'm not up to speed and we don't know what we're doing with it. And that's on our plate to, to be in the next several weeks figuring out what do we want to do here. I would love to um, maybe be part of a discussion about that project because it might be helpful. I mean, it, it might be something for us to consider whether we want to claw back the original phase two and maybe reapply for a new phase two. Um, so that might be something in the discussion. So I think we need to look at, like you said, what was, what was the original grant for and is what you're likely to proceed with in the future substantially different from what we approved the first time, let alone we had the intention of if projects don't meet milestones, you know, don't even begin, if they don't, you know, get off the ground within a year or two of its initiating, then I think it's appropriate for us to talk about clawing the funds back. So, but I'd want to have that conversation before we just vote to do that. So that would be, I think, something good for us to do in the near term to have a... If that's something that we could actually do through sort of with this time window of the pre-applications, with the thought that we might actually file a different revamped, because honestly, I do not know what the phase two Harris Park application. So Alicia, really quickly, really quickly, it was for rehabilitation of the fields for multiple okay. uses, a rain <laughs> garden and additional accessibility improvements and street edge improvements on the edge of Middlesex Ave. Okay. And the CPA yep. funds were just for design. It wasn't for any construction. It was purely- so That's actually helpful uh, to know because what I was thinking is we are in no position to put anything out to bid for construction for mm -hmm. phase two. Yeah. Um, but we, we should be looking at, and I know that the, um, the leagues will be very uh, interested in us see, seeing us move forward with the ball fields, with doing stuff there. Um, I've ha heard rumbling from my office of, well, maybe we shouldn't do the rain gardens because they were so expensive. And I, I look at that and say, that's where my interest is, um, is making sure that those sorts of things move forward. But I never saw any of anything other than conceptually rain gardens. Like I never saw stormwater information that would show that those were designed well for that location and stuff. And I think we should do our due diligence on it and really look at it and do what makes sense at that location. Um, I do know they have flooding in that area, but I talked to the um, city engineer uh, this week and he basically said the flooding situation they have is much too dramatic to ever think that a rain garden would fix the problem that it's a piping situation over there. And this is a, a um, city engineer who is extremely in favor of green infrastructure um, and has been working on his own green infrastructure plans in other locations in the city. Um, so we uh, basically would, would make sense for us to, to understand what, what had been designed and what makes sense there. 
and how we're funding them. Uh, I think, are there any other, <laughs> I know that's really horrible to say, but since I did take over this office, I do feel like sometimes there are projects that I suddenly stumble upon that I didn't realize were going on. That's it, that's it right? It, that was all that came from the Office of Community Development before. Right. Yeah. Um, we did have a, come to the mayor's office or... The con yes, the condit show was from the mayor's office, as was, well, the bocce court was in combination with the right. housing authority. And I know that I asked Allie Fisk when she left, who was taking over the condit shell project, and I, I believe she told me it was the building department. I feel like she said it was Jeff Fargo. Is Danielle, do you know? Yeah, and I chatted with him a couple of weeks ago, and he told me that it was finishing up but I haven't um the fencing is down as of this week okay yeah I, I haven't been by there at least in the last week but he he seemed to think it was moving along like beautifully and um I haven't gotten any invoices yet um so <laughs> I was just you know like do you guys want this paid for I know some of it was also from city funds and um I'm trying to figure out who is handling the, the city fund part because I'm, I'm not sure which account that came from in the mayor's office. I mean, I could probably ask Allie since I'm still in, in touch with her. And yeah, I feel like there's, you know, some, um, you know, loss of knowledge and the change of the administration to, to know what, how that was being handled. And Building department seems like an interesting fit for a project like that? We have been working really hard to convince the mayor's office that we need facilities management in this city. Yeah. I, she has in fact brought in, she's gotten a grant and brought in an outside consulting firm to help develop a five and 10 year capital plan for the city. And I have been talking with them and Paul Moki has been talking with them. And we explained to the, uh, the consultants that it would be really important for everybody they're reporting out to to understand the importance of facilities management and facilities management staff. Um, so we're hoping that they will be allies in this discussion. There was a facilities manager in the budget last year. Every vacancy, as far as I can tell, every vacancy that was not filled in the city except for two plus maybe a few in public safety were cut. They tell me they'll put the facilities manager back if they get more funding. Um, but I actually, if you don't mind, I think this group would want to know, um, the two unfilled positions that were not actually cut out of the budget was a grants manager that will work in community development to help us manage grants, apply for grants, particularly when our staff has been applying for grants um, for other departments. We're gonna have a grants manager to help do that work and to manage all the grants going on in the city in general. Um, so that's, uh, the mayor wanted it to go up to a full-time position. It was going to until pandemic. So it's half time, but we're still talking about it as if can we find somebody that we could hire with the expectation that we can only afford part-time right now 
but we'd like it to eventually be a full-time position. And the other position is a director of economic development that would also be in the Office of Community Development um, to do economic development in the city. So we're hopeful. Um, we're not going to hire anybody until we get the, the actual state funding numbers released. Thanks. Um, actually, uh, thinking of other um, project updates, um, Doug, do you have any news about um, the Brooks Estate? Has anything changed since our, our last meeting a month ago? Yes, we um, we got the bids back for all the three combined Shepherd Brooks Manor projects, and I talked to Danielle yesterday, and uh, there were three bidders, and we um, we uh, awarded to the low one uh, today. They were, they were qualified, um, and we, there were four components of that project, if people remember. Um, there was the whole brick entry uh, piece that was the original grant in round one. Uh, there was a copper roof that we added in round three because that was the source of some deterioration. And there was also some uh, the, the wood in the top of the building in the dormers. Um, those are the three that we, we bid on. We did it as alternates so we can get competitive numbers. Um, so we're, we're just under the total CPC number, um, but we had to leave off a very small piece of scope at one of the uh, side entrances because the number that we got by all the contractors was simply, we thought it was excessive. Both myself and the preservation architect who did the drawings thought it was, it was uh, more than twice what they had budgeted and it was just the contractor's way of saying they don't want to do the, that piece of work uh, for it. So we're going to defer that to another a project, uh, but we should be breaking ground uh, in about August 1st and finished by the end of October for the entire project. That's the, the week, uh, the big, the big news this week. It was very, it was good, good news because Lord knows I, I was not going to come back and ask you guys for more money because they, uh, it was not going to be um, well received, I'm sure. So um, it's looking good right now. Um, and I did receive, I, I just forwarded to the committee at, on my way into this meeting um, an update from ABCD. And I also have an update that I can read to you from um, housing families of, the, um, of our emergency rental assistance programs. So... Uh, just a very broad overview they've received. ABCD has to date received 97 inquiries, out of which 34 have resulted in applications. The ineligible screenings, the majority are because they are non-Medford residents. Um, there were also some who they were unsuccessful in contacting back. And um, a couple of people were ineligible due to income or they're seeking mortgage assistance rather than um oh thank you danielle sharing my screen sorry yeah that's great uh, a few people who are seeking mortgage maybe i don't know if it's possible for you to zoom in um that's better so you know they're the they just people who didn't meet the program criteria of 63 households um, but 34 have resulted in applications 
and um, the average requested amount is just under $2,500, 2,481. So the aggregate amount requested to date is just under $67,000. Um, and we have been um, increasing over the last month our publicity about this program. In fact, I just received in the mail today a stack of flyers which I'm going to get distributed through our um, food security locations. Um, some of them are flyers that can be posted with tear-off tabs, and some of them are flyers that can be handed out. And the handout flyers are um, English on one side and three different languages on the back side. And we can actually post the multilingual version next to the tear-off flyers as well so that people can get information in different languages. Um, and um, Alicia just alerted us earlier this week of the possibility that we may be able to advertise the program by um, Medford's electronic billboard as well. So I would welcome any help in um, it, suggestions that any of you have about how we can continue to get the word out about the availability of the program. The state has, there have also been an, a, a few other resources that have come online for emergency rental assistance and actually also now emergency homeowner support as well. The, the caveat is that these are statewide programs. It's very likely that funding will run out um, before many Medford residents are able to take advantage of them. So it's still very helpful that we have our own program. Um, and just a couple of other details about the um, people who are applying through Medford. Um, I'm going to pull up. Um, the the of the 33 applicants they include 11 landlords who also live in medford um the 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 income of of eligible families is or households is generally very low at about thirty eight thousand dollars annually i'm looking at this actually for the first time as well as most of you likely are as well this just came to me immediately before our meeting um, so that's the, um, that's ABCD, and I'm going to pull up for you also the, I'm going to share screen now so that I can bring up the um, update from Housing Families, Inc. So Housing Families, Inc. has, so they last gave us an update um, late May. So since late May, they have, so they received uh, $20,000 of CPA funds for emergency rental assistance, which they're providing in conjunction with their legal services. So uh, um, they have an additional three households in the pipeline um, who, uh, for rental assistance, um, all three households have incomes under 30% area median income. The household composition includes um, one or two person households. 
and they include two seniors. None of the households have children. Um, all three households identify as black, none identify as, as Hispanic. Two of the households are in multi, I guess, small multifamily, and one is in a large multifamily building. Uh, one of the households requested $1,500, one requested $2,000, and one requested $460. So that's the update that we have. So we can um, combine the two updates into a single document and circulate that again. Um, that we haven't, we had been requested last month to provide an update directly to the mayor and to city council. We haven't been requested to continually provide these updates, but we can maintain the update for our own files and keep in touch with the applicants, particularly ABCD, um, to see if they need to come back and request the second allotment of funding since the city council approved only half of the funding that we recommended. The additional $125,000 um, could be available to them having to request city council's approval for the second allotment. So that's the update on our emergency rental assistance programs. Could you send me a copy, Roberta? They didn't copy me. Yes, I'll send you a copy. Are there other projects that we need updates on, Danielle? Is there anything else that, that has had significant changes since last month? Um, not, not significant changes. Nothing that I'm ready to report on. Okay. Um, all right, I think that, that concludes our project update. Um, one minor thing I noticed when I was reviewing the minutes from our last meeting that we forgot to put on the agenda for this meeting, the election of officers. So we'll find a way to remember to do that in August and get back on schedule. Um, so next on our agenda, then the last item, well, the second to last item is to review the minutes. We have the minutes from... I need to bring my notes up again. June 11th and May 14th. So are there any comments on the May 14th minutes? So Christy had sent me um, a couple edits. Um, let's see. I think I just... I can share my screen so you can see, since I didn't um, email it out. Danielle, your, your audio just became... Can you hear me? We can hear you, but you're all scratchy. Um. Try again, Danielle. I think it's cleared. Uh, I was saying that um, Christy had made some recommended edits. So here's the May. It was to include um, the discussion about, just uh, elaborate more on the marquee discussion. That it was also discussed that a marquee may require store preservation review since it's not an original design element. 
to the building. And then just um, some clarifying some sentence structure. And then let's see, if I can share the other ones. I think for the June 6th, I think it was just a, a change to a date. Let's see. Yeah, it was just the date for the city council meeting. And um, I didn't do these ones and I, I don't, is, let's see, so. Okay, cause this was, it was June, I'm, I don't even know what month we're in. <laughs> yeah, so it was, um, these were the June minutes and it should have been June. It was talking about a meeting and it said May 16th, which should have said June 16th. Right, it's the, after the fiscal 2020 budget. It's Tuesday, May 16th, should have been June. Okay. So those are the only um, changes. Did anyone else have any changes? No. no. I'll make a motion to accept the minutes. As amended. As amended. I'll second the motion. Sorry, who made the motion? The first motion? It's hard I, to see. I did. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry, I was just distracted. So um, this is the danger of Zoom meetings. <laughs> I'm trying to manage my chat and listen to you talk at the same time. <laughs> so um, uh, so we'll go through the roll call vote. Um, Joan? Yes. Um, Heidi? Yes. Doug? Yes. Christy? Yes. Casey? Yes. And myself, yes. So everyone present is in favor of approving the minutes. And um, the last thing we need to do is discuss the um, our next meeting date. And before we do that, there was a very quick question that one of our uh, participants, Monique, had asked earlier via chat. And I just wanted to bring that out of chat. Um, and even though she's not here, I'll answer it and then I'll reach out to her and I'll email her the answer later. She asked if it's an option for an organization to apply for more than one project. And, you know, the answer is yes, we've, um, if there are substantially different projects, we would encourage them to do that. So I'll, I'll reach out to her by email to deliver that answer. But the last thing that we need to do is um, select meeting date for our next meeting. Um, so we're missing both Mike and Mike this meeting. Um, and I don't know whether the second Thursday in general is a problem for them if we want to try a different night of the week next month or um, what you think, what are, what are your thoughts? I'm not available on the 13th, I hope. I'm signed up for a class, but who knows if it'll happen or not. So I'm out that week, actually, the week of the 10th. 
Okay. Um, so, uh, Mike, Mike Lewis's conflict, it was a last minute thing for work. So it wasn't okay. didn't have a standing meeting. Um, I did ask the question to Mike Cuno if second Thursdays were a problem, but I didn't hear back from him. So, okay. I don't, I don't know um, if they have standing conflicts on those nights or if it was similar to us where it was just their meetings are also moving targets. Yeah. So we could try again for Thursday the 13th. Um, is one possibility or another possibility is putting out a, um, a doodle poll perhaps so that we can get input from both of the mics before we set a date. Um, the 13th actually isn't great for me. Okay. So I don't want to risk having too many people who can't make it. I also didn't get a chance to ask Alicia before she left if there's an update on filling our empty slot for the committee. Would she have that information? Um, she would. I could make it work if that's the only date, but otherwise I'd prefer another one. A doodle poll would be good. Okay. Let's do that. Yeah. If, if Danielle doesn't mind doing that, of course. <laughs> she may be able to delegate it. <clears throat> she might be able to. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a great helper. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, okay, then that's, um, that's what we will do is schedule our next meeting by doodle poll and um, see how many of us can make it. I know August is when we would all like to be away if we could. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, I'll be, I won't be here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all, everyone. This was a great meeting. A motion to close the meeting. Yes. I'll second. Um, I guess we have to go through the roll call. So, Joan? <laughs> yes. Doug? Yes, please. Christy. Yes. <laughs> Heidi. Yes. Casey. Yes. And I'm in favor of closing the meeting. So <laughs> good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Bye, everybody. Good Bye. night. Bye-bye.